Hello, and welcome to Religion 241, a one-time special episode where I, Chelsea Belton, discuss the places liturgies have from a non-religious standpoint and why they are crucial whether you have religious intent or not. I'll shift most of my attention to prayer and spoken word like creeds, but also take a stance on how to integrate positive affirmations into society in order to preserve nature and individuals. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I was browsing through the internet when I came across an advertisement produced by IKEA. Yes, the Swedish furniture company. As part of their ad campaign, they took on the goal to end bullying. To prove the effects of our words having consequences, IKEA placed two plants in a school and allowed one to be received with insults by the students, while the other one received words of affirmation. The plant was, so to say, bullied, died after 30 days, while the other one seemed to flourish. Now I've gone four years of college, and I'm skeptical of the scientific proof produced in an ad campaign. But I will say this, that the last time that I went through a breakup, I killed two of my plants that were just perfectly fine months before. So I do think nature can in some way feed off of our bad negative energy. But I'm not here to disprove or prove IKEA's ad. However, I am pulling from this experiment is that our words and mindset not only have consequences against others, but ourselves and the land around us. This idea had me thinking about how important words and mindsets are when seeking out a better spiritual self and what effects this pushes into our planet. As an English major, I spent much of my time studying the necessity of our words. It was just the other day Dr. O'Hara mentioned that so much as changing one word in a poem can change the entire message, which I find to be true. There is some psychological and scientific proof to this statement and what our words can do to ourselves and to others. I'm speaking on behalf of what my therapist likes to call cognitive distortions. I can be a bit of an absolutist in the worst possible way, I can't always balance my brain to be realistic, whether things are great or terrible. There's really no in between. It's either great or it's either terrible. I have no one to blame but myself. So in order to engage my reality a bit more realistically, I walk through the steps. I'll give an example. I do this often with the very basic definition of the college student. I do this with tests. In order to avoid taking tests, I became an English major because at the very least, when you write a paper, you have multiple drafts. You can even show it to the professor. And before things become final, it's not a one-time deal like a test is. I still on the rare occasion have to take a test and my absolutist mindset goes back to the one time I failed a test. Actually, I failed multiple tests, but on the other hand, I've passed and even aced some of them but my mind always reverts back to the time I failed and became. And because of this, my attitude isn't very good taking tests. Then I do usually fail. Rewiring my brain the past four years has been the ultimate goal. So saying things like, I'm going to ace this test, often shows more, way more positive results. But again, being the absolutist I am, if I don't ace the test and instead say get a B, or even an 89, so close to getting an A, I feel a sense of failure. Again, thinking I'm going to ace the test is a distortion all of its own, because when I don't get the grade that I was aiming for, I shoot back to the idea of being a failure, at least in my own mind. I've learned to be realistic and maybe not set such specific goals, 
I say the words, I am smart, instead. I even say it during the test as a way to bring myself back to center, especially when the test is hard, harder than I expected. Now, this is just one way I began my journey with positive affirmations. Setting positive affirmations is a new idea that I've embedded into my daily life, but it's something my mother pushed heavily as a kid. She never allowed me or my brother to say that we were stupid or ugly. We weren't allowed to do the same to others. She was also a firm believer that the things we say will become true if we let them to become our, real, our mentality. My mom still tells me to claim things for what I want them to be. She doesn't deal with ifs, but with whens. Like, instead of saying, if we become rich, she'll say, when we become rich. My favorite here lately has been, when you become a best-selling author. It sounds like an easy thing to add into the daily chores, but it's so hard to accomplish on days where you don't really believe it. We spoke Wednesday in class about Newbegin's final chapters, and Dr. O'Hara mentioned how doubt has to be present just as much when you're talking about faith. This was brought up in one of the first couple of cl cl classes as we spoke about the haystack analogy. I'm not saying that I wake up every morning and say that I'm smart, and ever since then I've passed every single test with flying colors. I often wake up and say it and don't believe it but it almost acts as if it's tricking my brain into believing it. They say fake it till you make it, and sometimes that's just what this process feels like. In fact, I failed a quiz just earlier this week, but I've seen progressive changes in my grades, much like the tortoise winning the race. And yesterday I was inducted in the English Honor Society, so I think that's proof. Now, I felt like a lot of time this semester, I we've asked a lot. Now, I felt like a lot of times this semester, we've asked why a lot. It is a philosophical philosophy class, after all. And to that, I wanted to say, as someone who is not practicing any sort of religious faith, I get why we pray. And even in Wednesday's class, we mentioned creeds. I do believe some common well-known prayers and creeds need to need a bit of an update, and honestly, we can just drop the national anthem. But there's comfort in prayer and bringing those our transgressions to somebody else. There's comfort in knowing that others share the same. I think it equalizes us in some way, especially when you publicly announce those things together as a community. The same reason I every day say I am smart or repeat those affirmations is because I believe for the same reason people pray so the doubts and worries placed upon them can be released and we can move forward without fear or anxiety. When we studied the five pillars of Islam, I was interested in the idea of salah. Forgive me if I'm saying it wrong, but otherwise known as prayer. They can do this to up to five times a day, and I can't help but wish that I could bring myself back to center five times a day. But also the dedication it takes is impressive, so you have to wonder how well in tune their spiritual life is. I imagine it's fairly well. Now back to the bullied Ikea plant. We, when reading Thomas Berry, he writes, what seems to be little understood is that our inner world of mind and in imagination can only be activated by experiencing the wonder and beauty of our outer world. 
if our outer world is damaged, there is progressive diminishment of our own progressive fulfillment. I like the how we, this semester we attached liturgy, liturgies back into our relationship with nature. Growing up in Wyoming, I felt a strong connection to the mountains, mostly through hiking. Since moving here, I felt a sort of unrest. Not to say the prairie doesn't have its perks or that it's not beautiful, but the escapist in me wishes to go back where nature is preserved and is also a big part of the culture. But it's also frustrating when so much of the state wishes to pursue an enterprise of coal over preservation. It would be wonderful if people brought themselves back to center the way they may, that way they may see the necessity in keeping nature untouched. What if we went out five times a day to appreciate nature and the way Islam prays? I think people come to Wyoming for coal, but they stay for the nature. So how do we convince others it needs to be cherished? Preserving the planet is just as important, important as preserving the mind. I don't think you can have one without the other. When, he studied, when we studied Wurzba, he talked about the idea of giving thanks and how it can be done with, the, with food we consume. I think we can do this with the planet for its beauty, using affirmations, but also cherishing it for being, by being attentive and restoring what was stolen by giving thanks. But again, how do you get people to wrap their minds around these ideas? How do we encourage others to do affirmations, give thanks, preserve the planet, so we can stop further harassment of all IKEA plants? I think the only answer for now is education. Recently, many states have been shooting down critical race theory cur curriculums, and I find the only reason they are being shot down shot down is for the lack of education on the subject. Some consider it a philosophy or a political ide ideology, but it all seems rooted in bias. I place the blame on not enough education in the humanities. I never learned to be a critical thinker until the things that I thought I knew were true and certain were challenged, and I thank my education for that. Sure, business and science can tell us how the real world treats us, but they aren't teaching us how the world world real world should be treated. We have a lack of em empathy for others because individuals would rather stick to what they know than things that make them uncomfortable. Religion classes sort of frustrate me because when I began taking them, I thought I would have, would have had more answers, but found myself just asking more questions. I don't people, I don't think people like not knowing. And that is why also so often we deal in absolutes. Science, in fact, has some safety while the unknown is too expansive. I fear the test more when I haven't taken it, not knowing the outcome than I do when I'm actually taking it or when it's done. I don't really know if I'm smart, but not knowing makes me continue to seek the answers. I'm getting to the point where I should end the episode, and all I can think is the words, I think about is the words and the ideas are the only things that bring us to solutions that we don't have yet. So I will say that you should always say kind things to yourself, to others, and to creation around you. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode was brought to you by IKEA. 
Just kidding. And I hope you have a great summer, Dr. O'Hara.